Just like that, the second hour is here. Hot Mike with Anna Withrow rolls on on this Tuesday edition here on the Outkick Network. Hope you'll join us on the YouTube live stream right now. You can jump in the chat. Chat's we'll picked chat. up. I chastised, good, good. chastised the chat. I whipped him into shape, and it's it's better now. Sometimes a lot, it takes lot more that. positivity. Sometimes it takes that. You know, we can be negative on this show. We're honest with our emotions, whether it be positive or negative. So I understand that that negativity can infect the chat at times, but I just thought the chat was a little too negative today. Why do they have to be so negative is what I was asking. Everything was very negative, but we're back now. You know, it's a little case of the Tuesdays going on. We're not quite to the weekend yet, which starts on Thursday on this show. People are feeling a little bit. They're in their feels, their emotions a little too much. We're starting to come out of it now, Hutton. So the chat's much better. Jack, coming up, we've Thank got you for asking. Uh, John McClain in 20 minutes. We'll talk all the NFL headlines, including uh, Bills losing, Broncos winning, and uh, C.J. Stroud and Joshua Dobbs being the talk among the NFL quarterbacks currently. Some big matchups going into Week 11 as well. Plus, uh, Amy Dash, the Odyssey legal insider, gives us perspective on what we should be expecting as Michigan and Jim Harbaugh uh, will petition and head to a hearing on Friday to find a temporary restraining order in order to get uh, Harbaugh coaching and not serving the three-game suspension. Can we just call her our legal expert also? Sure. She is the one we go to for legal advice. Yeah, she's the first call. So she's always our first call on this show. So she's the hot mic legal advisor as well. And uh, Jim Nagy joins us, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, gives us the latest on the top players in college football, what to expect down the stretch, and who to keep an eye on for the upcoming NFL draft. Time for the uh, top headlines today on this Tuesday edition. Scorched Earth, Hot Mike with Utney Withrow. We start uh, with the arrest uh, and, and charge of Matt Petgrave, who's been charged with manslaughter uh, in the death of former NHL player Adam Johnson. If you remember this story, uh, this was late last month. Adam Johnson, former NHL player, he's playing for Nottingham, and was killed, died when a skate blade cut his throat. And the blade kicks up, cuts his throat, and now they've arrested Petgrave based on uh, possible and, and based on manslaughter charges and, and the fact that maybe this was intentional. That was the assumption as well by many, the opinion by many coming out of this. I'm not watching this video. But people who have say, yeah, this is something that stemmed from Petgrave with Johnson. And it ends up with Johnson dying and now Petgrave being charged with manslaughter. I'm with you. I, I, can't, I can't watch it knowing how it ends uh, and the result of all of it. So I have not seen it, but I've read the description of uh, his skate coming up, up when he's getting he's, – I guess he's kind of falling down yeah. and his skate comes up. I, I just – I don't know how you could prove this is anything other than just an awful, awful mistake. This stuff gets thrown around a lot. We'll be watching a, a football game, a sporting event, and saying someone should charge that guy with a crime, right? Someone that sucker punches someone in a fight, takes a huge swing or an elbow at someone that could have done some really bad harm, uh, uh, bad hits, dirty hits in football. They should charge that guy with a crime. Uh, that never happens. That almost never happens, right? Right? That you actually see a sporting event that turns into a criminal case because of something that happens in the line of play. And we're talking about on the ice, 
on the field, not fights that happen after a game, before a game. I'm not talking about Michigan and Michigan State brawling in the tunnel. I'm talking about actions that take place during the game. It seems to me very difficult to prove that an action that takes place within the game that could be an accident but look like it was egregious, I don't know how they're going to prove that. I I don't know the U.K. court system. I don't know what the standard of proof is there and all of that, but feels like it's going to be pretty hard to prove that this was something that was done on purpose. Well, the uh, well, terrible story. Yeah, that that now heads to the uh, the, the legal system there and uh, here the, the discussion with the NHL is about more gear, you know, taking the proper safety precautions on what you can wear. I mean, as far as a guard or uh, was the turtleneck type yeah. uh, thing that they they can put on, um, some players are for it. Some player, I mean, goalies want less gear. You know? just because of the movement aspect of things. So that will pick up. Other leagues have already started that, and the NHL has already said they've, they've talked about this, about how to take proper precautions of this happening uh, and the potential of it. I, and I said at the time, Chad, I don't know how it doesn't happen more often. With I, the I'm sharp with blade. you. It's, uh, and not, you know, it, typically because you see guys that, that sell out to block a shot that are on the ice, you know, yeah, laid right. out on the ice, right. that you don't see someone step over them or, or slice them with a with a skate. Or get and tripped and fall. Isn't one time enough to want to have that protection of the rubber turtleneck or whatever protection they're going to put on for people's I necks? So. I, I don't... That That's... um. Look, tougher people than me play ice hockey. Uh, I, I understand that, but I, I hear that story and I think, okay, yeah, that's not too much to ask for me to wear this thing that would protect me from getting my carotid artery slit by an ice skate. I think I might want to do that. One time seems like too much for that to happen. Yeah, and it happened late last month, and here we are November 14th. and With the charge coming down. Right, yeah. Um, Jimbo Fisher fired. He's out for the Texas A&M Aggies head football coaching position, and the buyout is extraordinary. $77 million. It's triple the top amount we had seen, which is Gus Malzahn at Auburn, at around $21, $22 million. And keep in mind, that's what, I'm just throwing this in, that's what Dan Lanning's buyout is, is the second most, roughly, second most compared to what we're discussing with Jimbo Fisher getting paid $77 million. And I mentioned every day until this buyout is paid, he will earn $26,000, $26,300 per day throughout this process of paying it off. I believe it's over, what, eight years? is what they'll pay off, and quite a bit of it's due within the next 40 days or something. It's uh, crazy. And it's I mentioned, Chad, whenever we had on the – we've had many guests on about NIL, name, image, likeness, the hearings on Capitol Hill. Uh, Senator Tommy Tuberville even joined us, and I mentioned the, the coaching buyout money. That is where the athletic departments – are not able to make budget. That's where they're looking back and crying poor, and it's why they don't want the current players, the athletes, to account for more on average than about 9% of their budget because these buyouts for coaches, uh, the payments made to administrators, and settlements that have been made to assistant coaches and staff members 42 to 45% of their budget on average in the Power Five goes to paying that, not to the players, 
And they continue to do this on an annual basis, and we will continue to see this with the merry-go-round that is race season for coaching. And race season needs to go away. Uh, it's got to go away. And it's only going to take almost a level of collusion from athletic departments to say we're not going to do this. We're not going to tamper with coaches who are under contract. We're going to have a two-year ceasefire with this, and we're going to try to get our books in order and not have the possibility of people leaving right. under contracts. Take an NFL approach to this. It's not going to happen because it is dog-eat-dog. Dog, it is kill or be killed. It's all of those things in college sports, and you can't get all these powerful people to agree to a ceasefire th that way to where guys aren't jumping around and using other jobs to get raises at their current job or using the threat of something to get these just asinine buyouts for guys who did not do their job. Jimbo Fisher failed at his job, and Jimbo Fisher is set to make this from front office sports. In the next 60 days, he will make $19.4 million in a, in a payout. Within 120 days, he will make $7.27 more million then he will make $7.27 million annually, 2025 through 2031. Bobby Bonilla would like a word. He's actually jealous of those payouts until 2031. You could solve world hunger if you took Jimbo Fisher's buyout and gave that to feed the poor across the world. That is ridiculous. Jimbo Fisher should be ashamed of himself. I don't know how you look someone f flat in the face that's struggling right now to make ends meet, and you're Jimbo Fisher, and you're saying, I'm making $7.27 million to not win enough football games and to sit on my butt and do nothing. It is a crime of the athletic department that signed that in, the, the AD who did it. It is ridiculous. It has to end. It must end. Hutton is right. What they're trying to do in college sports by arguing that we're cash-strapped, we're this and that, you can't argue it when you do that. Now, I also don't think that you should take $19.4 million, this first payment, or $7.27 million and give it to all the athletes. I don't think they're worth that, quite frankly. That's a hell of a lot of money. And we're talking about someone who did not win that's getting paid that money to walk away and not work. It's crazy. Well, it's got to stop. I don't mind the money going to the coaches and players because if it doesn't go to them, it's going to the networks and the executives that are running things behind the scenes. Um, and that's what they also want to keep uh, as the money goes up. But, Chad, uh, the, how much was Tennessee fined? I want money to go to people that are working, though. This is but my problem with the buyouts. I don't want the money going to Jimbo Fisher after he's been fired. If you think Jimbo Fisher's worth $10 million a year, pay him. I'm fine with that. People argue Nick Saban's underpaid at whatever he makes, $11 million. Great. I want no buyout for people who fail at their job. I think if you fail at your job and you don't win enough, I want to eliminate all buyouts for that. You're, you're gone. We're firing you, and we'll pay you the rest of this year or whatever we owe you, and then we're done at that point. I, I think that is where it's gotten insane to me. Are people getting paid to fail? Paid to fail, but also if you already realize that you're going to be paying him anyway, then you move on if you've got the boosters ready to pay it. That, that's oh, I, that's look, the other I, thing that sucks. This is not a. This is not me saying is, they shouldn't have fired him. I'm saying this is signing the, that contract with that buyout was a crime. That's the well, crazy part of all this. Well, but I don't blame Jimbo Fisher for signing it. I, I, of I mean, course not. I mean, he's he's robbing them right now of money. Like, yeah, he gets a, a huge benefit here. I blame Texas A&M for doing that, and I blame every other AD that that's paying coaches who have failed 
Tons what, of money. What Texas A&M is doing, though, is not what the average school is doing, or even the next best program that's paying big buyouts. No, but there that, are there are too nuts. many schools that are paying multiple coaches oh, right now. Yes, and, and and not and multiple coaches and, that that did not win, <laughs> that got fired because of a lack of production, that didn't do the job they were hired to do. So what they have there, there is no offset language either in this buyout. So, I mean, if you think about just what this means across college athletics, it means, well, you've got a situation where the next coach that comes in, how does Texas A&M handle that contract? But also, you, if you're a coach, you want to be named as a coach that's, they're, that they're interested in. Because now you have to keep up with the Joneses. Do you want to keep your coach that Texas A&M is interested in? If you do, you have to pony up a bit. And Oregon's giving an extension to Dan Lanning after one year. One year on the job, and he's getting extended. There are coaches that are, you know, Chad, we saw this last year. Shane Beamer is getting extended. I mean, look at, look at what Lane Kiffin's done. Flirting with any job that comes open. Miami one year. Now you've got last year Auburn. And Ole Miss is paying their Ole Miss is paying their coach over nine million dollars a season. I never yeah, would have I, thought that. I, I um, look if the market is, I think the market's out of out of control too. But if you're paying Lane Kiffin nine million dollars to coach Ole Miss football and he's succeeding, and you feel like he's bringing in enough revenue where it's worth it, I, I'm okay with that. I, I I hate how the threat of leaving or doing something else isn't just give me a raise. It's also add this many years to it and give me this much more money if I suck. Let's go ahead and add a couple more zeros. If I happen to suck over the next three years and you want to fire me three years into the seven-year extension, then you're going to owe me that much more money. That's the part I would love for athletic directors to eliminate. If you want to pay someone $10 million because they win a ton and you don't feel like anyone else would do that good of a job and you want to pay them $10 million, I'm okay to pay someone $10 million to do their job and do it well and win at the highest level. I am not okay with paying someone $77 million to fail. They failed and now we got to pay them this much money. That is a terrible decision by an athletic department to sign into a contract like that. I hope it goes away. But, um, you know, I, I can hope in one hand and do something else in the other. And then one will fill up faster than the other, right? Think about this. I don't know that it's going away anytime soon. No. Think about this, too. Uh, Tennessee was fined, what, $8 million, the largest fine yeah. for punishment of, of uh, NCAA policy? They basically had to pay their buyout. They weren't paying Jeremy Pruitt back okay. to the NCAA. $8 million is... Which still cost them Okay, that money. so the buyout for Jeremy Pruitt was $8 million. The buyout for the assistant coaches on Jimbo's staff is $8 million. That's what they're going to be paying. Eight million. It's crazy. To buy them out. I saw where Dan Dockage said, first thing I would do is give at least a million dollars to all of my assistant coaches if I'm Jimbo Fisher of that buyout money for dragging them through that also and giving them a little parting gift as well of the 77 million. I doubt he does that because he also helped negotiate, I'm sure, that buyout for them uh, if they were to get fired. Sure. I, uh, so Dan Lanning says he's not interested. He's not leaving Oregon. Dion is saying he's not going anywhere, which makes sense if you don't if they're going to deny a transfer for Shador and he's going to be playing through, uh, entering the draft in 25, um, and, and Shiloh. Um, also, doesn't sound like we're, we're going to see the, the, the craziness of Dan Campbell leaving Detroit with the Lions to go to his alma mater where he played uh, for, for A&M. 
Is there a no-brainer for Texas A&M right now that takes that gig that you're after immediately? I would have said um, after the win over Clemson and the start of the season, Mike Elko at, uh, at Duke, who's been at A&M before, would have been a no-brainer. But yeah. they, they've struggled. They've had quarterback injury also with Riley Leonard. Um, I, I don't know that there is a no-brainer right now. And listen to Billy Lucci yesterday. He's, he threw out Billy Napier as a comp, that they're going to go get kind of a Billy Napier-level coach to be their next coach. Unless there is a Brian Kelly-level coach that wants to leave where they are. There will be plenty of names and plenty of raises. Dabo Sweeney, according to Rick Neuheisel. Imagine Dabo embracing all that money. John McClain joins us next. Sixth and Peabody, our location with the Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. How about the Bills? Losers of four of their last six. How about having 12 men on the field? Five and five. On a last-second field goal that misses that would have won you the game and then giving it to them five yards closer to then end the game with a field goal. That is a brutal way to to lose a football game. John McClain joins us. SportsRadio610.com is where you can find him. He's covered the league for five decades. John, the Bills on the disappointment list at five and five. They haven't lost more than six games since Josh Allen's rookie season. We know the expectations and how this roster is built. What has happened to Buffalo in 2023? When I heard today there was breaking news on the Bills, I thought they were going to fire their special teams coach, not offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey, although he'd been under a lot of criticism since being elevated from quarterback coach when Brian Dable went to the Giants. And they were a team that did not look well coached. They had turnovers. They ran the ball great, but they got away from the run. They just don't look well coached. And that's not something that we could say under McDermott. They're wasting Josh Allen's career. I just think they're doing a really bad job. And what is weird to me, if the playoffs started today, the Texans would be in and the Bengals and the Bills would be out. What is Josh Allen doing, though, forcing some of these passes on a, on a weekly basis? Now, 11 picks, seven of them in the first half. And while some of, n- not every interception is the same, some of them are just based on defense dropping back and he's throwing to the wrong spot. And that's something we haven't seen from him over the last three years. One of the things is when he came into the NFL as a first-round pick from Wyoming, uh, he had the reputation, great arm, they threw a lot of interceptions, and one of the reasons is when you got a great arm, you tend to have too much confidence in it. You try to throw it into coverage. You have balls, you throw it too hard. They ricochet off the receiver's hands and to the defense, and one of the interceptions wasn't his fault, but he has not been producing consistently like he did. They got, they're able to run the ball. A back they let get away, Devin Singletary, who came to, started for him the last three and a half years, came to the Texans, and he rushed for 150 yards on 30 carries in the victory at Cincinnati. So they have not gotten the balance, consistent balance, that they should have. And Josh Allen is a turnover machine. They've got to coach him better. Coaching at many spots right now doesn't look great. I'm not saying 
every coach is legitimately on the hot seat here, John. What I am saying is they're feeling some pressure and heat from the inside and out. And I'm curious to see your take on how you think these coaches handle it over the backstretch of the season. Belichick, Vrabel. Hot seat. Vrabel. No. No, no hot seat. Just how they handle the pressure. Vrabel. No, handle uh, we've got Belichick's going to handle the pressure the way he always does. And he had, yeah, by mumbling, mumbling. <laughs> so pressure's not going to get to him. I mean, he's he, I mean, you know, he's going through his worst season since 2000, his first year there when Brady sat on the bench. And then, you know, his he had terrible record in his time at Cleveland, so he's been through adversity before. But everybody thinks he's gone after the season. They'll call it a mutual parting of the ways. And how about Dan Orlovsky saying that from what he's heard from uh, multiple people is that is that, that there's already a setup done where Belichick will be the GM and head coach at another spot next year? Boy, I can't imagine, number one, he's going to be 72 years old. Would you want to give him total control where he doesn't have a quarterback He's got to have a quarterback who can take a beating mentally from him every day. It wore out Tom Brady, and he left for Tampa. He's got to get his kind of players in there. You don't do that overnight. The only owner I could see doing that, now I know Mike Florio's talked about Washington, but I think Martin Davis, because it'd be funny, wouldn't it? Belichick goes to the Raiders, and Tom Brady's one of his bosses as a minority partner. You mentioned he could the, come down and berate him every day uh, after work. You mentioned the the quarterbacks have got to take the beating from him, but also I would say from just the defense. The only example I can come up with there, Chargers. Would he be a fit there? Based on, I mean, they've got the quarterback in place, and we know that. Spanos wants to become the team of Los Angeles, even though the Rams are that team. One thing that Bill Belichick has proved is he can't win without Brady. You want to give him a five-year deal at $20 million a year, which is what uh, he's supposed to be making in New England. I don't think it's going to be easy for him to get a job knowing how he has to have total control of everything. He needs control of the pins and the paper clips and everything. He's going to want to bring in his people and clean house with everybody. I just don't think teams are going to line up to get him like some people seem to think. And you're you're saying that even from just even if he's just a general manager and not a head coach. Yeah, I don't think he's done well with personnel at all. Okay. He's lost a lot of good personnel people, Nick Casario being the last one, and they don't have a lot of talent. You look what they've done since Casario left. What's impressed anybody? Nada. John, if the season was over today, is C.J. Stroud Offensive Rookie of the Year and D'Amico Ryan's Coach of the Year in the NFL? Um, a lot of people are talking about Dan Campbell. He can end up, he can end up with the best record in the NFC. But they started that last year. They had a great turnaround. Uh, won the last game at Green Bay. Didn't make the playoffs. But they were kind of a fan favorite coming in. And um, and D'Amico Ryan's based on they won three games last year. I'm partial because I've known him since he played. I think he would. Nobody's done a better coaching job. And the voters tend to take teams who turn around teams. Stroud's run away with the offensive player. Now I see all these people nationally talking about him being in the, in the uh, 
MVP race, hadn't been a non-quarterback, hadn't been a rookie, he'd be MVP since Jim Brown in 1957. I don't think that's happening. And I'm writing a column today for SportsRadio610.com, people talking about Stroud and Ryans. What about Casario, executive of the year? He's the one that's brought in all these players, overseeing the draft, brought in D'Amico Ryans. He deserves a little love, too. And the Texans have a legitimate chance of winning the AFC South. And I would think that even the most optimistic Texans person wouldn't have expected this. There's always surprises in the NFL, but how shocked are you, John, that they're in this position right now with C.J. Stroud as a rookie quarterback, given the lack of leadership over the last few years with this franchise and where their roster was, where you could see some some light at the end of the tunnel, but are you shocked they're as good as they are right now? No, I'm not shocked. I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> and I good had to win six games, double doubling their win total last year. I thought maybe that it would be in wild card competition next year when they had a chance to win nine games. Nobody had any idea the Stroud would be as great as he is. The first rookie to engineer back to back come from behind victories in the last two minutes. Texas is the first team since '98 Colts to have a 350 passer, 150 receiver, and a 150 rusher. Just all kind of things going on. Stroud has been magnificent. He's been coached really well by Bobby Slowick, who came with Nico Ryan's from the 49ers. And uh, their defense has gone, and Derrick Henry will want to hear this, they've gone from allowing 170 yards a game rushing, and Derrick Henry's been a big reason for that, being the worst run defense in the league over the last four years. Now they're number eight, allowing 91 yards, and it's been getting better by the week. So everybody is astonished. With all due respect to Jim Harbaugh, America's team is not the Michigan Wolverines right now. It's the Minnesota Vikings because of Josh Dobbs and that story. And now that he's 2-0, and uh, having just joined the team. John, my question is this on Dobbs. I keep expecting him to regress to the mean. He hasn't done that yet through two games. Is this simply another Jeremy Lin and Lin Sanity happening for a very short period of time? Or is this the start of something longer? where Josh Dobbs becomes a multi-year NFL starter because of him finally getting a decent opportunity to be a starting quarterback in the NFL? Well, there's only one America's team, and it ain't the Vikings. And uh, Dobbs, you know, he's bounced all over the league like a pinball machine, you guys know. He'd only won one game, till he, and he didn't start the first one, so he just won his second game as a starter. They're obviously coaching him well. Wade Phillips' son, Wes, is a coordinator. Kevin came with Kevin O'Connell from the Rams. Kevin's doing a great job as the play caller. And you got to think, defenses, once coordinators see enough tape, they'll find ways to combat him. But it's one of the all-time great stories, what he's been able to do. And you like to see good people have great success. And he's having it. They've won five in a row. Who needs Kirk Cousins? Who needs Justin Jefferson? They're doing all this without him. And you talk about a legitimate candidate for coach of the year. Kevin O'Connell last year won 13 games as a rookie. He didn't get the award then. Now he might win nine or 10 and get it this year. Yeah, I mentioned yesterday, there's plenty, a handful of coaches recently uh, here in Nashville with Dobbs, Arizona short notice with Dobbs, uh, who 
acquired him. He played. They didn't win. And now O'Connell's playing him on short notice and getting back-to-back wins. John, the, the, the results of Week 10 have set up some interesting matchups that didn't look great for Week 11 a week ago. Bengals-Ravens on Thursday night, I just thought both teams would win. Both teams lose. And now we have Thursday night football. That's a, a solid matchup no matter what. Steelers and Browns in Cleveland, both teams 6-3. and three. We've got Vikings on the road against Denver for Sunday night football. That's got plenty of storylines there based on what the recent teams have done. And then, of course, Chiefs-Eagles on Monday night is a great week capper. So solid games with playoff implications where I didn't really see this seven days ago. It's about time because, boy, these primetime games the last week were dog games. I feel sorry for the Germans, sticking them with what they had to see with the Patriots and the Colts. And it's getting that time. You know, it's, and I heard Tom Brady had uh, C.J. Stroud with him on uh, Let's Go last night on Sirius. And he told him, he said, the season doesn't really get started till the middle of November when all the, uh, let's see, I was going to say nut cutting. Can I say nut cutting? Sure. I said it twice. When all the nut cutting <laughs> starts. And uh, and that's a fact. You know, he said, not what you do in September and October, November, December, now early January. And these games are going to have far-reaching implications, and I can't wait. I'm having fun covering the Texans again. It's been a while. They've got uh, Arizona. Then they play Jacksonville, who they beat by 20 in Jacksonville. And then they play Denver, or three in a row at home. So it's a good time for them to make a move if, indeed, they're going to do it. Did Deshaun Watson make a move in that second half to block in now? Do you think we see consistency from that position and from him paired with that solid defense in Cleveland? He was in a boot after the game because of his ankle. He's just getting beaten up a lot. They say you can tell when he throws his shoulder's an issue. So I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he's still going to be up and down physically, but their defense is so good. And their running game with Drum Ford is not as good as Nick Chubb, but it's still formidable because they've got a great offensive line and that run-first philosophy, and that's good for a quarterback, even one with a bad ankle and a bad shoulder. And as we just uh, look at some of the, the, the wins, Seattle with a big win. I think we overshadowed that the game-winning drive by Geno Smith after Washington took the lead late. They're able to keep pace with the win-loss record after San Francisco boat races Jacksonville. Yeah, I need them, even though I picked Baltimore to win the Super Bowl, I need Seattle to do it because I was in Vegas. I took them 66-1. to So if they win the Super Bowl, I'm going to make some money. Hey, and let's, let's wrap up with this. Buffalo now playing the Jets, and then they have – the Chiefs and the Eagles on the road will face the Cowboys at home in that three-game stretch after they face the Jets. This is the stretch where Buffalo makes it or they don't. And if they don't, Sean McDermott's going to feel heat. I'm just putting him out there too, even though, again, it's pressure, not necessarily fired. How in the world did they just annihilate the Dolphins early in the season when Miami was super hot? Just blew them away. I thought at that time, 49ers were beaten. Buffalo had lost the game, but just obliterated the best offense in football. I'm thinking those are the two teams leading contenders for the Super Bowl. And now with Buffalo, not so much. John, always great. Great to catch up with you. Have a great rest of the week. Enjoy week 11. 
Jonathan and Chad like you guys have a great week of loving as well. You're the man, John McClain. Thank Sports you, sir. Radio610.com is where you can find John McClain on social at McClain underscore on underscore. Both a gentleman NFL. and a scholar, that John McClain. That's right. That's right. Coming up, are we on the bus or off the bus with Michigan winning without Jim Harbaugh? Go 6-0 and without him, potentially. Kyler Murray as the, the future, the franchise of the Arizona Cardinals. What we said that a week ago compared to what we may answer with now. Plus, James Franklin and his future at Penn State. It's all straight ahead. Hot Mike with Hunter with her rolls on across the Outkick Network. Coming up, Amy Dash will join us. Odyssey's legal insider, our legal insider for Hot Mike. Dive into the legalities of what Michigan is going to say and make their case for on behalf of Jim Harbaugh, who will be in attendance on Friday for the hearing where he hopes to coach against Maryland, then against Ohio State. I'm, I'm, I can't stop thinking about the... <laughs> Ryan Day needs to beat Michigan. This was the topic all offseason. We had the potential of them meeting up for the championship game last year. Yeah. And kind no, of rooting for that. Just, just knowing that there's not... There's no hot seat, but there's a hot seat. You see what I'm saying? And then, then what's at stake here for Ryan Day against Harbaugh in a couple of weeks? Again, we've got plenty of time to dissect it, but that's the storyline. Because we saw how, I mean, he was angry at Lou Holtz for saying his team wasn't physical. We've seen your team not physical. It was against Michigan in back-to-back years. Well, and what, what you've essentially done now is poke the bear with Michigan. Because now you have truly galvanized them the rest of the way where they feel like it's everyone against them. Yeah. They're the only ones that are on the side of good in this. They've convinced themselves that in fact, the perpetrators of the illegal activity are the victims in this case. And they believe that yes. they think they're the ones being unfairly, uh, uh, you know, taken out of college football. So it's going to be interesting when those two teams get together and Jim Harbaugh and everyone's going to have that team convinced it was Ohio state that led this investigation and did this to you. Oh, hey. And you get them at home in Ann Arbor. I, I can't wait. Chad, and, and also, I'm anticipating something leaked that week on Ohio State by Michigan again. Probably. You know, to just stir it up again. That, that will be another storyline to wait for. They're not going to leak anything on Maryland, are they? Well, they have essentially said <laughs> in their, their statement. You hey, imagine they would just no, rogue on Maryland. They don't care. Yeah, the, Maryland can do whatever they want. They're, they're not concerned <laughs> with Maryland. Um, the, they even put the warning out there. Mind your P's and Q's, coaches, yes, because yes. now a new precedent has been set. And I look forward to the Big Ten administering the it same was, penalty when we find you doing something illegal. They went Dan Snyder. Yeah, with I've, the got threat. The, I've, got the, I've got the tapes. I've got the recordings. Rams are expecting Matthew Stafford to return to the starting lineup on Sunday. Battered and bruised, he's in individual drills. He's had that right thumb injury, and the Rams play the Seahawks on Sunday. That's always been a crazy series. Uh, eight games, eight touchdowns, seven interceptions uh, for Stafford. And uh, I looked up his contract here. They don't have a potential out with this deal until 2026 because I didn't know wh- what the future could hold for Stafford. But keep in mind, um, the reports were last offseason. They did listen to discussion about some potential trade options they maybe they they let it be known quietly that they would be listening 
And I have no idea why I didn't think about this right away when this job came open, but uh, I just, just saw this and had to mention it. Okay. If you're Mississippi State, would you hire Dan Mullen back? See, I saw this. I, I, have, I put a text into him about whether or not we would come on. And I saw that and it. I thought, man, that actually makes a lot of sense. Dan Mullen was a god there. Oh, he did a great job there. He had the number one in the country with Dak Prescott. He also uh, he had them in a position yes, where they were winning enough where he, he never would have lost his job. Right? I feel like he was a lifer. He's almost like Mark Stoops at Kentucky. It feels like he's done well enough that he's never really in trouble at Mississippi State when he finally left for Florida. He just wanted to try to elevate to the next step. Why not just bring him back? Bring and him. is that the reason you fire Zach Arnett before his first full season is done? Because you know you can bring him back. Well, why would you have to fire him early, though? Because you think Zach Arnett uh, and Mississippi State is going to start winning games? Uh, maybe. We anyway, seen, I just I saw that. Have I, we seen that before? It's like a light bulb moment. I'm like, oh yeah, duh. That have, would make a lot of sense. Have you, have you seen a stat or a, a a year where we have had a game that featured two coaches that were fired just right after the game where they played? That's a good question. I'd I don't. To, I don't I'd have to go that. back. I'm not. I can't. I can't immediately off the top of my head think of I, I one mean, that's happened. Yeah, it, did, it didn't matter going into the game for either coach what happened in that game. They were gone. It was a 51 to 13 final. And it did not help Jimbo Fisher. AM, by the way, warmed up a dude that had a Max Johnson undershirt on that was a lefty throwing that was not Max Johnson. Completely as a diversion. He was not able to play with an injury. And they had a guy, so Mississippi State could see it on the opposite side of the field with Johnson number 14 on his jersey. And he was a lefty and he was like a GA or a staffer that they just put out there to throw, try to throw Mississippi State off. That's Friday Night Lights esque. Thinking he was going to play. Time to go on the bus or off the bus. Here's Davey Hudson. We're All headed. right, guys. We started at this location last week. We're going to go back, but we're going to be in Buffalo, New York. And the Buffalo Bills will actually miss the NFL playoffs. Chad, I say yes. Because, not just because of Josh Allen. They're not as good on defense. They turn the football over, yes, because of Josh Allen. But they have 18 turnovers on the season now, 11 of those are interceptions. And we don't see the same, we don't see the same explosive plays from the Buffalo offense. I'm going to say yes, and it's also because of the AFC North. They're going to beat up on each other, but I also think when they play the non-divisional games, those teams continue to win. And while they may not get four teams in for the first time ever, I think the, the first team out will be from the North and not from the East. Um, I'm on the bus of them not making the playoffs. Th th this is a team that uh, has taken an early season approach. Uh, we got to fix this. We, we can't continue to do this. I don't know why we keep doing this from Josh Allen to proceeding to do it week after week with the stupid mistakes, with the turnovers, everything else. So I, I don't think they're fixing it. Yeah, I think uh, this is a team that's not making the playoffs. And then the schedule. At Philly, the schedule, but they get a, bye, a late bye. At KC, Cowboys, at the Chargers, at the Dolphins, that's all remaining on this schedule. Yeah. They're not going to the playoffs. Also, I'm, I'm on the bus with them missing it because Joe Brady's now the offensive coordinator. They've already switched this up. And Brady was great with Burrow at, at LSU. He was, of course, a disaster with Carolina. Now he's the quarterback's coach turned offensive coordinator. That's what Dorsey was uh, to 
Dayball, this this is a mess. And all of this kind of started with a a weird dynamic between Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. Remember he was at the mandatory minicamp, but he wasn't, but he was. And now they're five and five. It's uh, they're this is just they're off. Uh, I'm with you. The vibe's not there. Not happening. That's a good pull on the Joe Brady stuff. I, I I was trying to think back to how bad of a time he had in Carolina and it was rough. Um yeah, glad I'm not a fan of that. Team. Not Matt Rule's best moment in his career either was the with the Carolina years, the, the time in Charlotte. Carolina fans would gladly forget those years because yes. we're going to head on. And uh, you know, speaking of going back to Joe Brady's days in college, we're actually I don't even know. That's a terrible tie. And we're, we're going to State College. We're going to Happy Valley in Pennsylvania. Our next one, James Franklin's the head coach at Penn State in 2025. Yeah, I, I think he is. I, I think he's going uh, to probably uh, flirt with some other job at some point and convince the people at Penn State again of his worth because he's they're going to be convinced he could leave for somewhere else. He probably will be able to leave for somewhere else if he wanted to. Um, I, I, I think for two more years – that would get him through 12 years at Penn State at that point. I think that they're going to be okay with the two or three losses, and that's about where they're going to be for the next two years. So I'm going to say he's going to be around for that long. So it, it comes down to, is he going to beat Washington and you know the, the rotating schedule now of Washington, Oregon, um, and USC, UCLA. So their schedule next year, just to go into 2025, and this is what Davey's getting at. Uh at Wisconsin, Ohio State, Washington, Purdue, Minnesota, Maryland. I'm going to say, and they're at USC. I'm going to say yes. Uh, I think Aller gets better. I think Franklin's the head coach in 2025. And believe it or not, I think he probably gets a raise based on that. Because I think they're exactly where they are this year. And it, it sucks to say that's where Penn State is. And also, where they are right now, they're, they're fighting to stay alive for the 12-team playoff. And that helps Franklin boost his his overall uh, perception of what he's capable of. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how the 12-team playoff impacts the raises and extensions that you guys were talking about earlier because, you know, you just tell them, like, hey, all we got to do is make the 12-team playoff and uh, we, we got a chance to, to go win it all. So it's like I've got here once, surely I can do it again. But, you know, a team that actually has a really good chance of just making the four-team playoff is Michigan. So we're going to go to Ann Arbor for our next stop on the bus in Michigan – We'll go 6-0 and without Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines. Let's just keep the bus rolling. I'm on the bus with this. Yes. Uh, they're they're going to win their next two. And uh, they're going to ro roll straight through because without Jim Harbaugh, if he's not allowed to coach, um, they've got McCarthy that's running things. That's the key. He stabilizes everything from the quarterback position. And, you know, you can have more cry all he wants to on the sideline, Chad. I'm on the bus with the fact they would go 6-0 and without him. I think that they are going to go 6-0 and uh, if they don't have him. I think he's going to be back for Maryland. I think this Michigan uh, Wolverine judge is going to rule for Michigan, and he'll be back on the sidelines for those two games. I still think they would go 6-0 and even without him. I also think they're going to get steamrolled by an SEC opponent uh, in, a, in the playoff. Uh, I think that's how this season's going to end. I don't think you can run it 27 straight times against a Georgia or an Alabama and hope to win the way they did against Penn State. But yes, I think that they are going to go 6-0. and And I don't know what to think of that in terms of Jim Harbaugh and his overall worth, that there's no drop-off when he's not on the sideline for games. Well, I mean, the, the worth is he's been extremely dominant, right? Uh, the, 
the worth uh, Tennessee would miss Josh Heupel so much more. Yeah, but but I could say that about a lot of different programs. But how much they what I can't say is you know, Tennessee's at Michigan's level right now and wins losses and success. Um, that can change. Maybe it doesn't. But what well, Harbaugh's, not, what but Harbaugh's yeah. done is something that many coaches who don't necessarily call plays have not been able to do. Uh, there's clear value there, and the team has complete buy-in with him. Everyone's loyal to Jim Harbaugh. It's amazing. I, I just... I don't see him losing to Ryan Day again. So I'm I'm with you guys. I'm going to keep the bus rolling. We're going to travel through the nation's heartland, and we're going to go make a trip down to Phoenix, Arizona. I think you guys were in Phoenix. Going uh, right through the heartland. I like that. Kansas, Oklahoma. It's perfect. God's country. But we're going to take our attention and shift it to the NFL. We got to see him this past weekend. But Kyler Murray is Arizona's starting quarterback at the beginning of next season. On the bus with this, Chad. (laughs) Kyler Murray's their guy. He was their guy last year. You weren't impressed with Clayton Toon? In his his tune up performance. No. No? Now I no. will say they took him to use the uh, tush push and took a lot of people's uh, Kyler Murray touchdown away. So I'm on the bus with this because they're risking ninety million dollars in an injury deal and a guaranteed money by playing him this year when they could have just kept him on the sidelines and then traded him this off season if they could find a trade partner. I'm on the bus with the fact that yeah, Bidwell, that's the quarterback for them. They've already paid him. Yeah, I, I think I'm on the bus too. Shockingly. Um, you know, they've got the Call of Duty situation figured out. I think he's playing less of that. So I think he's their franchise quarterback now moving forward. And I also think when you see his ability, the scramble he had in that game and the big play uh, on the final drive, I think if you're Jonathan Gannon and a new coach that's with him now or anyone else that's that, you convince yourself, I'm the one who can make this work. Because that is an ability that not many people on earth have, that, that he has. So I think they they believe they're going to make it work. I'm on the bus. He's the quarterback. Hey, let's let's also say pump the brakes on the on the the praise for him because they were playing Atlanta. Anyone that's True. been playing Atlanta, they've had success. They they rack, they play at Houston this upcoming Sunday. But yes, Murray's the quarterback. All right, guys, and finally we're going to end in Los Angeles. Caleb Williams doesn't go number one overall in this year's draft. I, I I'm off the bus on, on this. Even with all my reservations about Caleb Williams, I still believe. There's going to be a lot of talk about guys, you know, rocketing up the board and going down and bad interviews and S2 cognitive tests. I think when we end up on draft night, it's still going to end up being Caleb Williams number one overall. Yeah, someone's trading up for him, even if someone holds the pick that doesn't need their franchise quarterback. And there are plenty of teams that do. Caleb Williams is, he's the prospect. And he'll win someone over that absolutely loves him. I'm off Just the bus have as well. lots of fingernail polish remover. Whatever yeah. team drafts him. That's all that's the only advice I'm gonna give you. Legal analyst Amy Dash next on Michigan.